Warning, Mombies will discuss information regarding true crime or other topics that are spooky in nature. This may be offensive to some listeners. For more information on the potential trigger warnings in this episode, please review our show notes and be cautious when listening. I'm Beth. I'm Christina. And I'm Holly. And we're the Mombies. great question weird just just absolutely strange how do you even do that i feel like that's gotta mean something hello spooky humans welcome back to the mommy's podcast i'm beth i'm holly where's my fucking there it is (laughs) uh I have to like when I pull this up since you guys are not looking at my screen I have like sound stuff here that I have to deal with and make sure their mics are working because we I may or may not have fucked that up a couple times and then my episode is below it because I don't want to use papers because that will make a lot of fucking noise and then you know people will be like fucking rattling papers around <laughs> so it's like a word document below the microphones so I have to click on that and find it it's a thing anyway thank you beth (laughs) (laughs) so uh you guys i'm so sorry you didn't have an episode last week um that's 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 mostly on me no way mostly on me oh yes it is (laughs) on on me so i came to holly's house to record and uh i was blaming on my husband it's my husband's fault so um i have a little hub so i can plug everything into my computer including the microphones which is fairly important if you guys want us to sound anywhere near decent and that fucking hub was not in my backpack i literally searched my back- backpack 62 times sitting here on holly's floor <laughs> so did I. <laughs> uh, then holly searched it and then i called my husband and he was like it's not here and it was right there in front of his face but it wouldn't have mattered because it's a decent little drive to my house from here so there was no recording that night um i definitely cried because i felt really bad um and then we were going to record on the weekend but then jenna was in town visiting hi yeah. jenna hi. And we were just having too much fun. Yeah. We had a girl's We night, so had a we blast. Not, we, were, we were not stopping to record. We had a lot of fun. We played some games. We did a lot of talking. And it was a wonderful time. I'm very glad we all got to have that. I made I made a fire all by myself. Yes. It was so mm-hmm. good. I went home and smelled like campfire. So then uh. I kept like telling my husband to come smell my shirt. <laughs> I was like, it smells so good. I um, love that smell. I know. It was so good. I literally was just like walking around smelling my shirt. <laughs> um <laughs> my bra did not smell like campfire still smelled like for sure um definitely <laughs> what you're talking about but my shirt smelled like campfire so uh we also so we were so we couldn't record then so we we're late and then also my fucking family um my delightful children ended up with lice on monday Whoa. so the past fucking a week has been a nightmare i need all the drinks children are so hard it was rough so um it's just been a blur of of sanitizing and washing hair and picking i don't even know what i i don't even i'm probably picking dry skin out of their hair at this point but just literally i'm so paranoid about it i'm just like oh let's check this let's check that let's check them again let's check so we're checking everybody's hair like twice a day 
and so far out, so good pulling out anything that looks like it could possibly maybe have once resembled an egg like i don't everything i'm just like well what but what is if this it's lint an, or an egg exactly so it's probably all lint but i'm just literally like but what if it if there's one fucking egg and it hatches that's it we gotta do this shit all over again i have a three-year-old and a four-year-old and trying to do fucking live streams on a three-year-old and a four-year-old makes you want to jump out the fucking window no. first. So I don't, I don't want to do that again. So I'm just being paranoid. Like we're gonna take all the sheets off again, wash, like sanitize everything again tomorrow. Um, yeah, my kids are probably like, leave me the fuck alone, stop touching me. But <laughs> let me comb your hair again. That's, we're doing this one fucking time, and then this week I'm going to Eckert's and getting strawberries. So I need, I need all this shit out of my house. Yeah. And also, it's my birthday. Woo! Uh, in fact, this oh, this comes out the day before my birthday, so um, oh my god, I'll be forty. I'm not fucking happy having birthday on my 40th. <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to mm. you. Happy birthday, dear Beth. I can hear myself singing this. <laughs> happy birthday to you. <laughs> Yay. Oh my god, my lips. <laughs> When I go back and listen to that, I'm going to be like, what the fuck, bitch? Stop. I'm not. Singing. I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not having fucking life on my birthday. So it's been a... Yeah, no thanks. It's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week. From hell. From hell. Um, and then we had last year school stuff. Yep. Field days and carnival days and... It was so fun. Yeah. Anthony cried a lot on the last day of school. It was so baby. sad. And I'm like not the good hype mom. As soon as he was crying when I almost dropped him off, like I dropped off the one kid. All right, let's go drop off the other one. I looked over and he's crying already. I'm like, what? Why are you crying? And then I just started bawling. And I was like, this is not happening. <laughs> so just like holding his hand in the car. I was like, I'm sorry. Oh. He was very sad to leave his friends and his teacher. Aww. I said, what are you going to miss the most? He said his teacher. Aww. I was like, oh. Sophia already said she wants to go back and take a gift to her teacher the first day of school next year. Because I was like, what my, my husband, I haven't talked about this in the podcast, my husband lost his job in January. So he's been without employment since January. He's trying to find something. But I was like, I wanted to get her a gift because she, she was an amazing teacher. She was just so awesome. And I was like, I can't do shit. So I was like, well, I wanted to get her a gift. And Sophia's like, it's okay. I'll take it to her next year. I was like, that's a great idea, baby. We'll yeah. have to do that on orientation day. So mm-hmm. I need I need an income before then. Um, you know, so uh, My Favorite Murder, if you guys are ready to hurry up and listen and give us a boost on your uh, yeah. podcast, that would be great. Or, or Drew Barrymore. Or Drew Barrymore, please. Oh, my God, please. It's that video. Beth hey, was sending bestie. a video of her the other day where oh she's, God. like, worried about somebody in the audience and goes and sits in their lap. Yes. Because the girl was crying because she loves Drew Barrymore. And she was okay. like, I don't want to be that person. And Drew Barrymore was like, be that person. Yeah, P.S. I will I will be that person. Right. I will be oh, crying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll mm-hmm. be bawling my eyes out. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, my God. So all of you, all the people that we just mentioned, Morbid, also, we're still best friends. We haven't talked about you guys in a while, but we're still besties, uh, Ash and Alina. So you guys also can talk about us. Come on, us. let's do so it. Come on our let's podcast. Come, let's can, come to your pod lab. Let's, let's all talk. Let's, let's hang out. I like it, please. Um can talk about our kids elena we can mm-hmm. hang out It'd be so much fun <laughs> uh anyway <laughs> so our lives have been a little bit wild so now we're gonna get back into the Heyman lee story oh. so i'm sorry you guys had a week part break in between 500 part four million and two part four and honestly i could probably do like three more parts i haven't listened to robbie's podcast yet i have not read i've read part of it but not very much of robbie's book i did not get to read um 
I just lost her name, Asia's book. So there's still more information on this case, but obviously I was like, they don't want to listen to us drone on about this for fucking 10 episodes. So I was like, I'm just going to have to stop. I am going to read Robbie's book. I am going to listen to her podcast. Um, and if we'll there's come more back. to add, we'll come yep, back we'll to come it. Back. But we wanted to give you guys a break from just talking about one case. That's not really what you guys are here for. So we still are going to dig into one more episode, but it's time for point four. So there's also an update. So I'm hopefully going to remember to read this to you. I'm going to have to read it straight from CNN because I definitely forgot to look at it before I got here sitting in this chair. So uh, first thing, I have a correction. Uh, Hay was supposed to pick up her younger cousin at 3.15 p.m. Uh, school called the family at 3.30. Robbie's book says that police were called two hours later, which would be at 5.30, which is different from what I said in episode one. I was probably incorrect because uh, I was just going off like the corner of a fucking document from the documentary. So okay. I just wanted to put that out there in case I was incorrect. I'm assuming I was. So sorry about that, guys. Okay, now let's get into it. Now, one of the most pivotal pieces of evidence used in the trial against Adnan Sayed was the cell phone tower records for Adnan's cell phone. Uh, this brings us back to Jay a little bit. So we kind of told his story. Um, I know we've already talked about the inconsistencies in his story, but these records kind of make those differences pretty glaringly obvious. Uh, I mentioned Detective Daryl Massey before, and he was asked in the case against Adnan Syed about the second interview when police started speaking with Jay at 3.05 p.m., but didn't start recording until 6.20 p.m. Oh, super illegal. And you know that because you're the cops. Why why would you do that? Mm -hmm. What benefit is there to that? Oops, I forgot. Right. right. No, you didn't. You start the fucking recording every time. Why would you not just start it? It makes you, even if you're not doing anything wrong, it just makes you look so fucking bad. Especially after that long. So fucking, and especially with everything that's fucking happening in our country in particular, in the world, right, or in the, our country right now, like, have your fucking camera on. If you don't have your camera on, it just looks like you're up to something. So yep. just fucking have your camera on. Yes. Just, just yeah. And everybody knows that. So if you don't have it on, then you're up to something. You're up to something. And that's it. And that's mm-hmm. what everyone's going to assume. So just fucking have your camera on. And then you don't have to ever think about that. And then maybe you won't be a piece of shit. And then also you won't have a chance to do anything because mm-hmm. you can be on fucking camera. Anyway. <laughs> so Massey says that the time the recorder would be started in an interview changes from person to person. Why? Okay. You started immediately. Yep. It was at the very beginning of the yeah. meeting. Yep. The interrogation. Yep. The very beginning. If by you mean that you, if that inter- interrogation start at different times, then yes, it would start at a different time of day. Otherwise, at the beginning of the interview is when you start the fucking tape. <laughs> Not that fucking complicated. Anyway, I'm obviously because I'm a police officer, so I know. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a dick to police officers. I get that there are police officers that do their job, but come the fuck on. Oh yep. my God. So he goes on to explain that the first story is always going to be a lie. But as that story gets told again and again, it'll get closer and closer to the truth. I understand what he's getting at. I understand yep. that you don't want to waste tape or whatever, but also we don't have fucking tape anymore. I mean, granted, then it was 2001, so I guess, I mean, 1999, so it was different, but. You just uh, fucking record the whole also, thing. Also, what a, what a lame excuse. Right. Just push the button. Just push the fucking button. Just record it. And that way no one can come back and accuse you of doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know? So anyway, now we're left with questions. Because what was fucking said during those three hours? What what did you guys say? Three hours. Three hours? And he, well, he's not going to talk about what really got said then. So. I mean, his answer is that Jay was lying during that three hours, and then it started to look more like. The I mean, Jay Jay's not going to talk about oh. probably what really went. down I mean, we there. don't know because yeah. whatever Jay says, then 
If Jay says, oh, they intimidated me and they hit me or whatever else, there's no proof of what happened. We have no idea what happened. So I'm not saying he said that. He didn't say that. But just still. So during this three-hour interview, I don't know if the interview was actually three hours or if I said that because the three-hour, I'm not sure. But during this interview, Jay's story changes to more closely fit the cell phone tower records for Adnan's phone. Hmm, Weird. Isn't that interesting? Where Jay originally told detectives that Adnan showed him Hay's body off Edmondson Avenue, now he says it happened in the Best Buy parking lot, which is a totally different place. You would remember where this dude showed you a fucking dead body. Right. I remember exactly the second time it was, where we were, right. what color underwear I had on because I shit in them. <laughs> oh my God. They were, oh. they were white, but now they're brown. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know where we were. Yes, you fucking do. You do. You saw a fucking body. You do. Even if you don't, okay, I don't remember the exact time. I know where I was when I saw that fucking yeah. body. Because yeah. I could see in the trunk, and behind that, I could see the blue Best Buy sign. Yeah. You know where you were. I don't know. Uh, so so uh, keep in mind, both Jay and Jen say that Jay left to go pick Adnan up around 3.30 to 3.40 p.m. But please focus on a call that came in at 2.36 p.m. as the come get me call, which doesn't line up. So, Okay. Um, phone records looked a bit different in 1999 than they do today. Uh, at that time, incoming calls were just listed as incoming calls. So there was no number provided, just said incoming call. Uh, today, if you log in and view your cell phone bill, incoming calls list the number that was called, that called you. I mean, I did verify this with my own phone bill. So hopefully that's true of other carriers as well. Uh, a non-cell phone record has three incoming calls that could be used to fit this whole narrative. 1243, 236, and 315. Oh. Now, obviously the 1243 is too early. The school's still happening. Right. Uh, he's at school. And I think people saw him at school that, you know, he didn't leave early or whatever. And the 315 doesn't fit the story that Jay has told at all because there's a call to Jen's house from Adnan's phone at 321, which Jay testifies he made to see if another person was home and had weed. Okay. Okay. So if the come and get me call was the 315 call, it wouldn't give enough time for Jay to leave. Meet Adnan, see Hay's body, leave her car at the park and ride, and head toward the area where the 321 call was made. Okay, so it doesn't it doesn't fit. So I think that, you know, they focus on this 236 call. Another interesting thing about the 236 call is the tower it pings lines up with Jay and Jen's original story. That Jay was at her house when Adnan called, but apparently police had a typo on their paperwork showing that the phone pinged further west. So this is believed to be the reason that Jay's story changed from receiving the call at Jen's house in the first interview to receiving the call while driving home in subsequent interviews and at trial. Oh. So here we go again. There's a big change. You were at Jen's house or you were driving in your car when you got that call. But either way, you still... There is nothing you can tell me that explains why you don't remember where you saw the body. Yeah. And those aren't the only two stories he's told about seeing the Mm -hmm. body either. I think I talked about it in the other episode. It may be in here. I'm not sure. We've done a lot of talking about this case. He said... He was playing, one, one person he told he was playing pool, and Adnan came up and had him come outside and showed him the body there. And there was oh, one yeah. other place. There were four different places that he says he was. You don't, you don't, you would remember where you saw the body. Right. And were, was he following him at that point? Or was he no. in the car with him? No. So, so he's saying that, like, he was playing pool, Adnan shows up and is like, I got something to show you, come outside. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Then Best Buy, he goes to pick him up. And Adnan, he gets out of the car and Adnan shows him her in in her own trunk. So they're not 
in the car together yet because he's going to have him follow him from there. Um, and then at Edmondson Avenue, same thing. He meets him there. He's going to follow him. And then there was, I think, one other story about where he was, but now I can't remember what it was. Yeah. So, I mean, Something how are the there mall, four so. fucking stories Yeah, no. about where you saw her body? Again, time, okay. I don't know exactly what time it is most of the time. You know what right. I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. I'm not checking my watch all the fucking time or whatever. That's not what I'm looking at. So I'm not going to know exactly what time it is. I'm going to tell you, nah, it was around three. Nah, it was around two. Okay, I can see that. But you don't know if you were in the car when he called or you were at your friend's house and you don't know where you saw a dead body for the first time? I'm not buying that. How many, how many dead bodies you've been seeing? Not buying that at all. Uh, in 2019, during the making of the case against Adnan Syed, Jay Wilds was interviewed. He declined a formal interview. Oh, but he provided statements regarding the case. I was like, wait a minute. I just said he was interviewed and then said he declined an interview. Um, he said that on the day of the murder, he borrowed Adnan's car to buy Stephanie a birthday present. He said he tried to return Adnan's car at school, but couldn't find Adnan and left. He told the filmmakers that Adnan showed up at his house and showed him Hay's body in her trunk. There's the fourth one. He oh, okay. At yeah. your fucking house. You don't remember if you stood in front of your fucking house and your friend opened the trunk and showed you a dead body? Or if you were at Best Buy? Or if you're, or if you're at Edmonton? What are you talking about? What yeah, are you talking about? You, come on. You know. You know. Uh, Jay said that Adnan asked him to get 10 pounds of marijuana. Oh, excuse me. He said that police came up with a Best Buy story. Oh, okay. So he's saying the truth is he was at his house. Adnan showed up and showed him the body. But again, everything else says you went to pick Adnan up. So now you're saying you were at home and Adnan just shows up at your house. What happened to you? In Hay's car? Right. So he's going to show up at your house in Hay's car? Right. Were you fucking kidding? Right. No. Right. right. He's not. Uh, he's not. Uh, Jay said that Adnan asked him to get 10 pounds of marijuana. And once Jay did that, went and got the, the marijuana, Adnan threatened to turn him in if he didn't help bury Hay's body. He stated that on January 13th, 1999, they left Hay's car on the lot where it was later found. So they left it on that grassy lot that day. Okay. So here's where we're going to talk about Hay's car. In the documentary, they had a professor from the University of Delaware do an experiment on the grass from the lot to determine how long it would take in the weather conditions at the time for the grass under the car to turn brown. If you look at the photos of Hay's car, the grass beneath it still looks green, while on the spots on either side, it's brown. Uh, he said his tests were inconclusive for a length of time it would take for that change to occur. So it, it didn't really pan out. He did note, however, that based on the weather, he was surprised that the tire marks from driving the car into the spot were still visible. And the tire still had a lot of debris like grass and mud in the treads. Uh, the filmmaker, so he, he said that would, was not normal. That should have been, those should have been gone with oh, okay. the rain. And Washed away, yeah. right. Um. The filmmaker also interviewed a woman that lived near the lot where Hayes' car was found. This woman had lived there since the early 70s. This was an older woman. Uh, and said that the grass on, the, on that lot had never been dug up and replaced. So they were trying to test the grass to see if, you know, maybe it could have been different times or, you know, whatever. If they could if they could see how it grew. You know what I mean? So, like, if, if, the, lot, if the grass had been replaced since then, they may not be able to tell how it grows from one's in the right. season or whatever. Um Hopefully you get what I'm trying to say. And it have to be like the exact same weather conditions yeah, and everything yeah. like that would be so difficult. And she also said there's no way that a car sat there for six weeks without residents herself in particular calling it in for being abandoned. If that had happened, if someone had called it in being abandoned, police would have come out, checked it out and obviously learned who the car belonged to. Um, so I wondered, is it possible that this call came in, police checked it out, learned it was Hayes' car, and then immediately brought Jay in for questioning? Could that have been what led them to Jay, even though they're saying Jay told them? Because I don't think Jay knew. 
personally. I don't, I don't, I think Jay was trying to cover his ass. That's right. Like, and they were kind of, yeah. I think they were threatening him. I think it probably mm-hmm. did have to do with weed. I think they knew that he was, you know, dealing weed. And then in 1999, this is a big deal. This is a young black man. These are white detectives. Uh, detective Massey was black, but I think the other detectives were white. So you're talking white detectives and a young black man. I think they're threatening him and they're saying, you're going to tell us what we fucking want to hear. And he's just like, yep, yeah, I sure am. I'm sure, yeah. So, that's what that three hours was. This is what you're going to say when I turn this back on. Yep. I think that's exactly what happened. And I think Jen, probably the same thing. Jen also, I think, is dealing with weed at this time. So I think they're probably threatening her too. I think this story is all made up. And they knew that they had to fucking cover their own asses. Or, you know, he's telling Jen this stuff. And Jen's saying she found out that day. But that's not when she found out. She found out later. And she's trying to help protect her friend. Lots of scenarios here. And I think, you know, Jen Jen seems um, um, surprised a bit that Jay's lying about some of this stuff. So I think it's it's probable that she didn't think she was lying to the police. That she didn't think that she was telling a made-up story that Jay contrived. Okay. You know, that's right. possible too. And I'm not, I don't know what happened, but I don't think that Jay had anything to do with it. I don't think he even had this information that people are like, well, well, how did Jay know about the car? I don't think Jay did know about the car. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. See, that was mine. I one of my points. And that was, was like, one of my what? things before was, I just don't understand how Jay knew about the car. I don't think he did. I think, I think that's bullshit. I think that they all lied. I don't think he did. Oh, I meant to tell you something before, you know, I may have to stop recording and tell you in a minute before we... Before we talk about it on here, because I can't tell all of it on the podcast, which I'll explain why when we get there. Okay. um, Now, the prosecution's case relied heavily on the cell phone tower pings. The most important of these were two pings from incoming calls at 7.09 and 7.16 p.m. The prosecution pointed to these pings as proof that Adnan and Jay were at Leakin Park burying hay at that time. Cell phone pings don't track to an address. Okay, so they give you an area that the phone was in, whatever area this tower pings in. However, on the AT&T cover page for those records, it is stated explicitly, quote, outgoing calls only are reliable for location status. Any incoming calls will not be considered reliable information for location. Uh, and these two calls that they're hinging their whole thing on are incoming, incoming calls. Uh, the prosecution's expert has since signed an affidavit saying this information was not given to him and it would have changed his testimony. I feel like that's a pretty big deal. That's a huge deal. And I, and remember, if you think Adnan did this, that doesn't mean he didn't do it. Right. But it means that they that can't be your proof. They didn't prove it, and if they didn't prove it, you don't get to put him in jail, regardless of whether or not he did it. Yep, you got to prove it. You have to prove it. Uh, Now, there's also another discrepancy where a tower on Dorchester is pinged, but it turns out there are two Dorchesters. So police somehow incorrectly believe that the tower they're looking at is one close to Jay's friend Christie's house. Instead, it's a tower close to Jay's house. So. That affects all of this as well. In the second interview, Jay tells police he went to Christie's house for about 10 to 20 minutes around 5.15 p.m. while Adnan was at track practice. There is no mention of this in the first interview when Jay told police that he went home while Adnan was at track practice. Christie says in the documentary that this is not true. Jay came to her house later with Adnan. 
And then you just keep hanging out. Like, that just doesn't make any sense. We just go to this party and go over to Chrissy's house and go over and do this. And Jen will pick us up. And what the fuck are you talking about? Right. And he has a car. And nobody's, like, being weird. Right. Everybody's just completely normal. You've just seen a dead body for the first time. You're like, what's right. up? Let's right. go hang out some more. What? The only person I'll be that like, please say, take me home. Please take me home. Please take me home. The only person that ever says that anyone's weird, I'm going to say right now. And it's a non. This is Christy. According to Christy. So I said he, so Jay is saying he went to Christy's house while and I was at track practice in one of these fucking interviews. Christy says he did not. He never came to her house by herself, himself. It was only with a nun. Now, according to Christy, she came home from a conference for her internship around 5 to 5.15 p.m. And Jay and Adnan come to her house around 6. Jay didn't introduce Adnan and Adnan didn't introduce himself. So Christy didn't even know who he was. She said that Adnan received a phone call while at her house and he freaked out a bit during it asking, they're going to come talk to me. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Christy testified that she knew the date because she had her conference that day. In the documentary, she was shown her course schedule for that January. The schedule showed that one class, that that one class in particular met on Wednesdays from 6 p.m. to 9, 10 p.m. January 13th was a Wednesday. Christy suggests that maybe she blew the class off, but then as she looks at it, she realizes the class only had three sessions and she passed the class with a B, which means she couldn't have blown the class off because she wouldn't have passed it if she had blown off one of uh, huh. three case uh, sessions. Which means that her the official story is not possible because she couldn't have done that, been at home for them to come there that particular day. It would have had to be a different day. Um, and just like that, things start to unravel just, just like because that. you're Everything. like, oh, I meant Tuesday. You're literally talking what? about people's memories of a random day mm-hmm. that meant nothing to them because they didn't have anything to fucking do with it. You People's memories are not, they're faulty. It's just not how your memory works, unfortunately. We all think we remember everything. We don't. Um, so she states this concerns her because she believes that a non-murdered hay. Oh. But then all of a sudden, her own story is like, but wait a minute, it doesn't make any fucking sense. So what now? This all, information is also given to Jen about the class, who says that she only knows the date that everything took place because police told her that was the date that the phone calls came in from a non-cell. When shown the class information, she becomes agitated and angry. And I don't really blame her for that, even though some of the stuff she says made her look pretty bad in my eyes. Um, she says kind of how none of this matters because it won't change anything, which is pretty fucking shitty when you're talking about how someone lied and an innocent person might have served over 20 years in prison as a result. But I also get why she's frustrated and why she feels like it doesn't matter. If you feel like you did it, then you just feel like this is fucking pointless. But what if he didn't? And you don't yeah, you have the didn't. proof that he did. Right. And, and, and as it shows, all of this stuff just fucking unravels if you look at it past surface level. Mm-hmm. It unravels very quickly. And again, that doesn't mean that he's innocent. And people, like, if you look at the people on Reddit, they're all like, well, but you just can't consider anything else. No. People can consider that maybe he did it and also go, all this information is bullshit and he shouldn't be in prison. Yeah. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You if know. you if you know he did it, then you should be able to prove it. Right, absolutely. And if you can't, you do not get to say he did it and throw him in jail, regardless of what happened. You have to be able to prove it. He still gets the assumption of innocence. It's just how it works. You don't have to fucking like it. You don't have to be okay with it. But it's still how it works. I don't like it either when fucking people who did stuff are still out walking the streets. But I also really don't like it when innocent people are fucking in jail. Absolutely. I mean... 
and and maybe it's easy to not care about it if it doesn't affect you but i'm an empath so it's not yeah. easy for that i can't do everything that. affects me sorry <laughs> it sucks i know i'm not a fan <laughs> so Jay wasn't charged with anything until September of 1999. So he didn't quali- qualify for a public defender until then, it said. Uh, he was charged with accessory after the fact to first-degree murder, a charge that comes with up to a five-year sentence. Prosecutor Robert Urich arranged for a lawyer to take Jay's case, pro bono. Huh. According to former Baltimore prosecutor Ivan Bates, this is not the norm. He says that a court-appointed lawyer wouldn't take the case on pro bono, so this suggests that a favor favor was called in to get this lawyer for Jay. Jay pled guilty before a judge who is notoriously lenient on young offenders. So what do you know? You just randomly got this judge that's super lenient. And this lawyer. And maybe that's all a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Coincidences do happen, but it just seems awfully strange, especially with everything we're talking about. Why would would Jay need to get a pro bono lawyer? Why would you you do that? I guess because he couldn't afford a lawyer. Okay. But... Don't you get like a... I feel like that's a different type of lawyer. Don't you get like a state-appointed lawyer is different than a pro bono lawyer. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. This whole thing is fucking weird to me. It's all fucking strange. I don't mm-hmm. get it. So this judge stated he saw no benefit in putting Jay in prison. Uh, okay. Sentenced him to five years, but credited it as time served and gave him two years probation instead for accessory to murder. Time, time served for what? What time did you serve? You didn't, ter- you didn't serve what? Didn't he not even go to jail? I don't think so. What time, what time served? Right, yeah. Nothing. Sitting in the in the courtroom? Mm-hmm. Oh, five minutes. And that's it. Fucking crazy. For accessory to murder. Accessory to murder, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's very, very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, in the documentary, they bring up another case that one of the detectives who questioned Jay was involved in. In that case, a Baltimore man named Ezra Mabel served 10 years for murder before having his conviction overturned. In that case, it has been alleged that detectives threatened two women with arrests on drug charges if they didn't implicate Mabel in the murder. They also oh. planted, or it's also been alleged they planted drugs in a woman's car when an informant told them she might have information. And when she refused to cooperate, she was threatened with an arrest for narcotics possession with ha- and with having her children taken away. Oh my gosh. Now, me personally, I would imagine that anyone, especially a fucking 19-year-old, would tell them whatever the fuck they wanted to hear to get out of one mm-hmm. of those kinds of situations. So they've done that in another case. It's not unreasonable to think that they're doing that with this young kid who's dealing drugs, even if it's just fucking weed. You're talking 1999 again. That's not the same as it is today. This is not legal anywhere at that point. Right. It's still a big no-no. You're in big trouble. So, no, no. It's very shady. So... Next, we're going to talk about Asia McLean. Okay. Uh, in the case against Adnan Sayed, Asia remembered seeing Adnan in the library that day directly after school. She said she told Adnan that she'd heard that he and Hay had broken up, and he confirmed it. He told her that Hay was now seeing, quote, a white dude, and that he just wanted Hay to be happy. Asia realized that she might be an alibi for Adnan, so she went to see his family after his arrest, but she didn't feel that they took her statement very seriously. Asia then wrote Adnan two letters. One was handwritten and dated March 1st, 1999, the day after Adnan's arrest. Uh, That's the important one. If it had been looked into at that time, library cameras may have caught Adnan in the library after school let out, which would completely destroy destroy the prosecution's timeline if he was there. That's all they need. That's all they need. Just that. But unfortunately, by the time her statement went public, those videos were long gone. Adnan's lawyer, Christina Gutierrez, never contacted Asia, even telling Adnan that Asia's timeline was off. Gutierrez 
once one of Baltimore's most fierce criminal defense lawyers, was disbarred in 2001 after allegations from multiple clients that she had taken their money but not filed their pleadings. Gutierrez was suffering from the effects of multiple sclerosis around the time she represented Adnan, and she died in 2004. It has been speculated that she intentionally threw the case to make more money on the appeal or that MS took a toll on her ability to represent her clients. Shit. Yeah, right? Either way, it's assumed that ignoring Asia as an alibi witness was a huge mistake that Gutierrez made, but at the end of the day, Asia's statement likely wouldn't have helped without some other proof, which is obviously now long gone and probably was long gone before Hay's body was even found. Yeah. They weren't keeping those tapes then. I think uh, on Serial, they talked to someone who worked at the library, and they said it was taped over regularly, so... It wouldn't have been kept. Yeah. Um, now, when this information was found by Rabia after Adnan's conviction, she contacted Asia and asked her if she would sign an affidavit stating that she'd seen Adnan in the library that day. Asia agreed to do this and followed through in March of 2000. In the lead up to Adnan's post-conviction hearings, Adnan's lawyer tried to contact Asia. Uh, he didn't have any luck getting in touch with her, so he sent her a letter through a private investigator hired by Adnan's family. This freaked her out because she didn't really want a convicted murderer knowing where she lived. So I don't blame her for she ended up contacting then-prosecutor Kevin Urich in 2010 to ask some questions and was led to believe that Adnan absolutely committed the murder. In fact, the information she was given convinced her that the case against Adnan was, in her words, airtight. That's a quote. And there was no reason for her to get involved. Shit. Urich even told her that they had DNA evidence that Adnan committed the murder, except they didn't. There what? Was no evidence. No DNA evidence that he was any part of this. They, and at that point, they'd never even tested any of the items, which weren't tested until last year and were not a match for a non-sayet. Oh, my God. So, what the fuck, dude? Yurik testified that Asia told him the only reason she signed the affidavit was because Adnan's family was pressuring her and she just wanted to get them off her back. Asia says in the case against Adnan Sayed that she never told Yurik that she recanted her story. So he's full of shit. Asia didn't even know that Yurik had lied both to her and uh, to her and about her until she listened to Serial. Oh, shit. She describes that revelation as, quote, disturbing. She then contacted Adnan's lawyer and signed a new affidavit in 2015 stating that she did not write the letter, letter to Adnan because of pressure from the family, but rather to get the truth out there. Um, since all this information came to light, Asia has stated that she remembered the conversation and knew it happened on the 13th because that night she went to her boyfriend's house says it snowed really heavily and she got sort of snowed in and used the roads as an excuse to stay with him later. She says they were off school the next two days and remembers that it was the first snow of the year. Multiple people have looked into this and I went back and read the papers as well. The storm that shut down on the 14th, shut school down on the 14th and the 15th was an ice storm, no snow, that didn't start until 4 a.m. on the 14th. However, there was a snowstorm the week prior that shut down school, I think for one day, and that was the first snow of the year. So I I think Asia probably remembers a real conversation she had with it. Right. But I think it's it's likely that she got the dates wrong. Um, I also think it's likely that this is the reason that Adnan's original lawyer didn't contact her. Now, people have attacked Asia for speaking out, especially on Reddit, because fucking ass. That's on what they do on the internet. Uh, and if you're one of those people that has attacked her or said things about her, I'd just like to say you're a dick. <laughs> the end it's, that's it if you're so fucking caught up in your belief that he's guilty that you're attacking a woman and name calling a woman for telling her story then you're biased and you're a fucking snowflake yup I mean it's that simple it doesn't and that's not because I I don't think he did it I know that he could have done it I, I, I'm not saying that I'm right but 
you can believe whatever you want about her statement. Is it possible her dates are wrong? Sure. Is it possible she's misremembering? Sure. But it doesn't fucking require you to say mean shit about her or attack her. So fucking grow up. Yes. And I haven't read her book, so I don't know if there's any more to it or not. But, you know, I mean, I think it's possible she misremembered. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Because even if she is, even if she was there and she saw him, there's no fucking proof other than her word. Right. And he's saying no. And he's saying, I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah. <sighs> there's no way to prove it. That's not what's going to get him out of prison. So not, not that it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters if it's, if that means he's innocent, but it's, there's no way to prove it. Right. And we've said, like, you know, like an we have to use something else, something work. else. We need something else besides that. Right. So I don't think that she's lying. I don't think that she's trying to, you know, to lie to help him. I just think she probably misremembered some things. Or even if she didn't, it doesn't. There's nothing you can do about it now. Um, for Anand's part, as, I, as you just said, he admits that he's read and heard so many different versions of what happened that day that he doesn't even know what's real and what's not now. And that makes sense. That's how our brains work. And it's exactly the reason why witnesses And to be that truthful, you'd just be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I, I remember That totally, totally happened. So, you know, doesn't really do anything, unfortunately, at the end of the day. Now, a statement from Hayes' family is featured in the case against Adnan Syed. And they said, quote, it remains hard to see so many run to defend someone who committed a horrible crime, who destroyed our family, who refuses to accept responsibility when so few are willing to speak up for Hay." I can see why it feels that way for Hayes family. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine how painful it must be for them to keep having to relive the loss of their daughter and their sister. Um, But I think the truth is that we discuss these cases because we care for Hay and what happened to her. Um, Some people don't, of course, some people suck, but generally speaking, um, you know, Hay deserves justice and it's frustrating and it's devastating to recognize the very real possibility that the person who killed Hay is not Adnan Syed. It's, it's very and big. And that's the, the heaviness that that carries for Hay's family, if yeah. that's the case and what they've felt all this time and what right. they've said and done and not looked for certain people. Right. I, oh my gosh. And, and to think that, you know, this is a person who, if he didn't do this, if he's innocent, and I and I say if because I recognize that I, uh-huh. I, may, not, I may not be right. We don't right. know. Yeah. But if that's true, this is a person who loved her. And I'm not saying like he was our soulmate or anything like that. But this is a person who loved your daughter. And to have to recognize that an, a person who actually really loved and cared about your daughter and is hurting too has just spent all of this time in prison for something that they didn't do. I think that would be really fucking hard to to have to accept that that's the mm. case. That another family now has lost all of this time and I just, so much. No. And all that energy at the beginning that could have gone in the right place and didn't. And now it's too late. Right. Absolutely. And I, you know, and it... it too late for some things, not right. too late in general. Right, right. And, and I think, you know, if it's true that Adnan didn't do this, then not only are we, and I, we, I'm speaking for true crime uh, enthusiasts. I don't know whatever mm-hmm. the hell you would call us. People who, who participate in true crime. <laughs> Listening yeah. to true crime. Yeah. We, don't, we don't participate Maybe in particip- crimes. Maybe participate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you know, not only are we angry and hope, heartbroken at Hay being murdered, which we are. It's devastating that this person is not here. That the world lost what we lost when we when we lost Hay, and I say we not because I knew her, but because you know everyone lost yep. her being gone. 
But we're also angry and heartbroken at what Adnan and his family lost. And it's okay to feel both ways. Absolutely. We can feel that's, you know, especially as empaths, you know, we feel all the things anyway, but we can feel all of those things. We can, and, and even if Adnan did do this, we can still feel heartbroken at what his family lost. We can still feel heartbroken at all of these things, at, at how sad this whole situation is, no matter what happened or who did it. Right. But if someone else killed Hay, then Hay is not being honored by having a person that she was in love with and loved lose his life. That's not honoring her at all. I would imagine that wherever she is, if that's what's happening, she's fucking pissed about it. Oh, she's losing her mind. I know I would be. So I want the person who killed Hay held responsible. That's it. Regardless of who it is. Um, Hay's friend Debbie says, quote, if Adnan is not the perpetrator, she would be equally concerned about his innocence coming to light as she would be finding the person who took her life. And this is someone who knew. Right. Uh, even Adnan's mom talks about how, and she, I mean, she's very upset. And she talks about how she can still hug her son. And then she chokes up because Hay's mom can't hug her daughter. Aww. So it's not like, you know, his family doesn't give a shit about her family. And I know it probably feels that way to her family, but I don't know. I just wanted to make sure to address that. Like, you know, we, the people who are talking about this or people who even think Adnan didn't do this, it's not because they don't care about what happened to Hay. Right. It's because they care that what happened to Hay is, you know, that Hay gets justice and it's not justice to have the wrong person in prison. It just isn't. You have to do it right. Absolutely. And, and, and I know look, sometimes it feels like that, you know, then yeah. it's, somebody's got to pay. So, yeah. yeah. And it's hard. And I, you know, I, I, I don't think that her family is thinking an innocent person is behind bars. They think this person really right. did this. But you still have They're to coaxed. consider what if he didn't. Yeah. Because this is not an open and shut case. It just isn't. Um, so forensic pathologist Jan Gorniak, I hope I said that right, looks at the autopsy and crime scene photos in the case against Anand Syed, and she disagrees with the prosecution's theory that a struggle happened in Hayes' car. She says there would likely be more injuries to Hay in a fight for her life, like broken fingernails or bruising on her arms, which are not present. The prosecutor suggested in his closing arguments that there was proof that Hay's face hit the window or the door in the struggle. But Gorniak also disagrees with that, stating that the autopsy says there is hemorrhage in the right temporalis muscle, which is along the right side of the head, but not in the subgaleal, and that if there was enough force to cause hemorrhage to the muscle, there would be enough force to cause it under the scalp as well. So the sub... I'm probably saying that wrong, but that's um, like right under the skin okay. versus in the muscle. Uh, the autopsy does say that there is hemorrhage in the right occipital subgaleal, which would be at the back of the head on the right side. So like down here. Okay. So we're talking here and here. So she has hemorrhage down here, but but she doesn't address that in the documentary. So she says it's possible that the um, the hemorrhage in the muscle and stuff there that was from or the coloring was from lividity. Uh, so she goes on to discuss the diamond patterns on Hay's chest, and she says that Hay would have had to be laying against whatever caused those marks for eight to twelve hours to have them set like that, because nothing was found in the crime scene that would have made these marks. And I say the crime scene, I'm saying where she was found. I guess that's not really the crime scene. But uh, this would mean she wasn't buried until 1030 at the earliest. Which means the police timeline isn't possible. Because they were saying she's buried around 7 o'clock. Right. The documentary also provided a theory about what caused those diamond patterns on Hay's shoulder. 
they suggested a concrete shoe, which is used for breaking up concrete. Um, and it, I didn't didn't pull it up, but if you want to look it up on your phone, um, it looks very similar. If you remember the little diamond pattern mm-hmm. on her shoulders, so I can see it in my head still. Just type concrete shoe. Yeah, it's like a diamond, little diamond. Nope, that's not what it is. Look up uh, concrete shoe diamond, maybe. Um, so it looks it looks very similar, uh, for sure. If you guys look that up. Hopefully you can find it. If not, we can maybe try to find oh, it. Oh. You see it? Oh, yes. I don't so know So it's almost sizing. like an attachment. Yeah. That can go on a shoe is what I'm looking like. Oh, my gosh. It definitely looks like that. Mm-hmm. Weird. Okay, so it's used for breaking up concrete. Uh-huh. Now, I'm sure lots of people have these. Okay. But do you know who worked with concrete? Who's that? Alonzo Sellers, the man who found Hayes' body. So let's talk about Alonzo Sellers. Alonzo. He was going off to take a potty, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was pee-pee. So he worked at Coppin State University, which is about a 15-minute drive from his home. Sellers' home was about a three-minute drive from Woodlawn High School, where Hayen had not attended. On February 9th, 1999, Sellers went home at lunchtime to get a tool to use at work. I don't, I don't know what tool it is. Uh, according to his testimony, he was home for about 15 minutes, during which time he spoke with his son and his son's girlfriend. Seller stated that he didn't eat anything, but he grabbed a 22-ounce Budweiser beer on his way out the door to head back to work. During the drive, he finished maybe half the beer before he realized he needed to pee. So he pulled his truck over in Leakin Park. He testified that he backed into the spot where he parked, which seems odd to me if he like is in such a hurry to pee that he has to stop 10 minutes from a real mm-hmm. bathroom. Maybe that's just me. I'm a woman. It's a little bit different if I'm going to pee somewhere. <laughs> Men can fucking pee anyway. All right, and you don't even need to back in anything. I mean, just pull over for a hot second. Right. D- do your thing. Right. They may have useless nipples, but their penises are probably mm-hmm. a lot better for peeing, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, now I can't find proof of this next part, but it bears mentioning. According to a tweet, tweet from Rabia, Sellers parks on the opposite side of the road from Hayes' location, crosses the street, then goes roughly 120 feet into the woods to go pee. You're lying. So that's all weird. Uh, you're I'm, a dude so you're peeing on the, literally on the other side of the truck right what do you what right you're walking anywhere 120 feet right yeah it's okay. very strange also, I wouldn't walk 120 feet right there's also something in here that makes it a little more strange but we'll get to that in a second on serial Sarah goes to this spot and she walks to the area where, where Hay was found she says the distance sounds like a long way to walk just to pee but when you actually walk the path she doesn't find it to be strange, a stranger unreasonable distance she says like oh this isn't that far you can still see the road you know it's not he didn't go that far enough. okay and there is talk about how unlikely it is that he found Hay because of how she was covered up which people think suggests he had prior knowledge of where she was maybe it's kind of like stand by me yep. where they hear there's a body and they go to see yep. it yeah, what I don't get also then on that part, and this might be jumping ahead or sideways or I don't know, but they went out there with shovels to bury her. Why wasn't she all the way buried? Right, yeah. You were burying her. You had yeah. shovels. You said, your shovels. You're yeah. wiping them off. And I, and I You're going to dig a hole and put her in it. I think it was Rabia that said a lot, like, she's not really buried. She's Just kind of... shit on top of her. They said there's, like, a, an indention, and she's put in that indention. So it's not like they really dug anything out. She's just dropped it in an indention and, like you said, put leaves on top of her and stuff. So... What'd you need shovels for? Right. It, no. No. It doesn't add up. Mm-mm. It doesn't add up. Okay. Um... So he walks right to her. Walks and right that's to what her. they did. They 
Well, I guess it's not really a path, but it just no. so happens that you walked the exact same way into the woods as they did to bury a body. Right. And that's where wow. you're going to pee next to this log that she's wow. hidden behind. It's so strange. Okay. Um, I find it. Oh, um, so people think that suggests he had prior knowledge of where she was. Maybe he heard it, like I said, like in Stand By Me, and they took their little... If you haven't seen fucking Stand By Me, watch it. I hope everybody has seen it. I know. We need to watch that. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, Can't wait till my kids are old enough to watch that fucking movie. That's like a staple. I'm pretty sure I probably watched it when I was younger than my oldest right now, but it's neither here nor there because it's not appropriate. But anyway. uh, She would have a fucking heart attack. She'd be in the hospital. She'd be like, yes, dude. Now she's watching fucking shows where like people get bit by sharks and shit. She's fucking obsessed with it. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You're going to have nightmares for months. She's like, ah, we'll deal with it. She's mine. She's it's 100% me. But I wasn't afraid of it. Yeah. So I'm like, this is great. Thanks. But no thanks. This is horrible. Um, someday it'll be great. But today I'm like, fuck my life. Um, <laughs> I lost my spot. Sorry. Uh, so I don't really even think that points at him as the suspect. I just think... Like, if he'd done it, why would he call police to notify him? Not that that doesn't ever happen because it right. does, but it just seems so fucking, fucking stupid. stupid. Um, and if he'd heard there was a body, it wouldn't be that uncommon at all for someone to be curious and go nosing around. I well, mean, yeah, but the fucking coincidence that you went nosing around and just boop! Well, but if he knew where the body, you know what I mean? If he had heard it from somewhere else, if someone, whoever whoever did it, if it's not Adnan, had talked or whatever, or okay. even if it is Adnan, had talked to somebody and then he had heard it was there, Okay. went out, found it, was like, fuck, I guess I gotta call the police now, and had, had gone in and called okay. the police. You know, I think that's probably more likely than this random person killing her. Okay. Um, that, that doesn't mean it's not possible. It just, I just, I don't know. I mean, there's all there kinds is the of concrete coincidences. Shoe. So. There is the concrete shoe, which is pretty crazy. But also, you know, Leopold and Loeb, that $10,000, that was a coincidence. So who knows? Um, Seller says, also has a criminal record of indecent exposure mm-hmm. for streaking in some pretty weird circumstances. Uh, so it seems strange to me that someone who has a record for indecent exposure because he likes to go streaking run around naked would be that fucking concerned about getting too far in where people couldn't see him uh-huh you know so that does seem pretty weird um he was looked at as a suspect but police felt like they ruled him out yeah I, how i believe he had an alibi but i think it was a family member and we talked about how we feel about that um he also failed the polygraph y'all know how i feel about polygraphs so i i'm say i'm only including it because i feel like i should uh, uh-huh. It was written off due to him being nervous, and then he passed a second polygraph, which we're going to get into, I think, right here. So, uh, on Robbie's podcast, Undisclosed, which, full disclosure, I have not listened to yet, <laughs> so I'm going from a transcript I found online, they discussed the differences in the two polygraph tests. And the first, which was on February 18, 1999, sellers would ask questions like, are you attempting to withhold any information about the death of the female you found in the park? Did you do anything to that girl to cause her death? Had you ever been to the spot where the girl was found before the day you found her? Had you ever been in the company of the girl you found before the day you found her? That's the test he failed. The second test was all questions about how Hay was killed. Questions like, do you know if that girl you found died because she was stabbed with a knife? Do you know if that girl you found died because she was poisoned? He passed that test. Polygraph tests are inadmissible in court and notoriously unreliable. So as as I said, I don't think this fucking means anything. Uh, But I didn't want to just skip it. Right. 
Those uh, are hard. Like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. And then you hear it and you're like, oh, that counts. Right. You're yeah, fucking lying. Exactly. I don't I don't think it counts, but I'm only talking about it. It only doesn't count until you fail it and then it fucking yeah, counts. Exactly. So, and I would fail it. So I just feel like it doesn't. Oh, I would fucking fail it so fast. They'd be like, I would be like, what's your name? And I'd be like, Holly. And they'd be like, <laughs> they fucking freaking out. You're already, is it, is that really your name? Do you have any aliases we need to know about? And she'd be like. Uh, ho-ho. <laughs> My nephew calls me ho-ho. <laughs> um, the undisclosed hosts speak with an expert that explained that he thought police were just trying to rule Alonzo Sellers out as a suspect, basically showing he had nothing to do with the murder. I don't, I don't okay. They, were, they weren't really too concerned about him having that having that test that he failed. I think they had already focused on Adnan, but um, I also don't think he's a super compelling suspect anyway, so personally, but... Um, I got through all my research and realized that there was at least one glaring omission. Uh, the 21 minute timeline that results from police's theory of what happened to Hay. So this is referenced on page four of Ravia's book and episode five of Serial. When Adnan first wrote to Sarah Koenig, he said, quote, just as human DNA is used to place a person at a certain location, the cell phone records were used to me as a form of technological DNA to place me at a certain place in time, which sounds pretty good on the surface. But if you were to backtrack and trace the footsteps of the prosecutor's theory using the calls and times as a marker, I believe it is physically impossible for me to have committed this crime. Okay. Let's hear uh, it. As we've discussed, the timeline, as presented by police, has a, a non-calling Jay at 2.36 p.m. from the Best Buy parking lot to come pick him up. This means that Hay was already dead and in the trunk of the car by 2.36 p.m., according to the timeline. The dismissal bell at Woodlawn High School rang at 2.15 p.m. That leaves 21 minutes for everything else to take place. Sarah Koenig took this as a challenge. And here are all the barriers, if you will. When the bell rings, you have 1,500-ish students flowing into the halls and out the doors. Even if Adnan and Hay make it out pretty quickly, Adnan says the cars are blocked in by the buses and they yep. can't leave until the buses fill mm-hmm. up and leave because that parking lot is, is blocked. Yep, and then you have a line of cars going right or left right, or right, straight. Right. Now, there are friends that saw and spoke with Hay after school, which takes up more time. I think they, like, she pulled out of the parking lot and pulled into the circle drive or something and then ran back inside to grab, like, a a snack or from the snack booth thing or something. Um, There's the drive to Best Buy. There's the murder itself. And then Hay has to be moved to the trunk of the car in broad daylight. The phone call. So Sarah Koenig and producer Dana, Dana Shivas make the drive twice because the first time they messed it up somehow and they don't say how. They get in their car after the bell and they wait for the buses to clear out. Then they pulled to the front of the school where Hay was seen by a friend. Hay had gone in and grabbed a snack from the concession stand. So Sarah ran in and ran back out. Then the ladies were off to Best Buy. They arrived at the store with three minutes left for an argument, a murder, and putting a body into the trunk. Mm. Sarah says that it's possible, but she also says that it's far-fetched. Yeah. Uh, Three minutes does not sound like enough time to me to fucking put the body in the trunk, much less all those other things happen. And could have been arguing the whole way there. Could have been. And then once he stops the car, he can be like, ah. Right. Right. It could happen. And then moving, In the Best Buy parking lot. And then moving up Where there's a people body, at. A whole ass body, which is dead weight. Think about fucking moving just your eight-year-old. Your nine, <sighs> excuse me, yours isn't eight anymore. He's nine. Your nine-year-old. Oh, my gosh. Dead weight. I mean, come on. Much less you're talking about an 18-year-old girl healthy in sports she's not gonna be fucking light right oh my goodness um it's a everything would have to happen in the quickest way possible for the timeline to be feasible which doesn't really sound realistic i mean 
Oh, I agree. How long does it take you to be in line in this in this concession stand and buy the food and mm-hmm. have a conversation with somebody and then get back? Right, in the car you and- could if you were off by one minute yeah. leaving the parking lot and then one minute going inside because you said hi to someone. Now it only right. leaves one minute to kill her and get her in the trunk. Right, one minute. Right, and I, I don't I don't know. It just no. doesn't make sense. So if you, if you just boil it down to the three minute window, I don't even feel like that's possible. No, and I said even if you remove the argument from the equation, I still don't think it's possible. I don't think three minutes is enough time to strangle her and then get her ass in the trunk and then you're walking from I think the parking lot. It's like the, I don't think it's the back like the back of the parking lot. I think it's like the side parking lot. Mm-hmm. But either way, you're going to do all of that, get her in the trunk of the car in broad daylight with people fucking probably everywhere, and then walk into the store and make the phone call. So you're also having to do that in three minutes. No. No, I'm not. I'm no. Not so that doesn't mean that Anon didn't do it. Just not by that time. But it means that their timeline's off. I would say, at least. Um, Adnan seems shocked by this revelation on Sarah. You can hear him talking about it, and he's just like, well, I, I, <laughs> he just mm. doesn't even know what to say. He's like, really? Really? So um, Sarah and Dana also tried to drive the rest of the timeline. And I just recommend listening to it. I can't go through the whole thing, but they just say it's not fucking possible. There's no way to make it all these places they're saying with all the, oh, we sat here for 20 minutes, we smoked here, we did this, we did that. There's no fucking way. It doesn't, none of it adds up. And there's no way you're just sitting there then just hanging out. Like, after this dude that you're not even best friends with just showed you this dead body and you're like, cool, let's go smoke. What? Right. No. 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 Can you drop me off at school? Yep. I'm going to drive straight to the police station. Yep. So I don't know if I can just do. drop me off. Just t- I would be like, just take me home. Just take me home. Just take me home. Right. Bye. The last thing I want to discuss is the Nisha call. This is one of the ones I had trouble with too. Um, there's a call made from Adnan's phone at 3.32 p.m. to a girl that Adnan was seeing at the time, Nisha. Uh, this is the only call during this time that is to one of Adnan's friends. This is the only call that kind of is like, well, Adnan has to be with Jay because of this phone call. Okay. Uh Police use this call as proof that they're together because Jay wouldn't have called Nisha. And Nisha testifies that she only ever spoke to Jay one time. While Jay was working at the adult video store, Adnan had gone to see Jay at work or something, and he had called Nisha while there, putting her on the phone with Jay briefly. Nisha was insistent that the only time she spoke with Jay was a call made while at the video store. The problem with that is that Jay didn't get that job for a few weeks after the murder. So there's no way that that call at at 3.32 was made that day so those are not the same calls. so she's never spoken with jay other than that so jay okay. didn't call her okay is what they're trying to get at the call was two minutes and 22 seconds long decent amount decent amount of time so nisha said this phone didn't have a voicemail and adnan says nisha's number was entered into his phone's speed dial which for this particular phone was a one-touch dial where you'd like hold the button and it would call the number i'm not sure if nisha's phone was a cell phone or a landline but if it didn't have voicemail and no one was near it, it's possible that the phone just rang for those two minutes and no one answered. It's also possible that a voicemail was left and Nisha didn't know she had voicemail because you're talking 1999 again. New mm-hmm. phones are new. Things are changing. She did, Or she didn't think anything of the random butt dial and just deleted the voicemail. Uh, I think it's more likely that there wasn't voicemail, but just saying it's possible. Uh, I got my first cell phone probably a year or so later. And I definitely did not have caller ID or voicemail in the beginning. In fact, uh, I went on a trip to Kansas City with five friends, two guys and three girls, to see the Wizards play in 2002. 
and not having voicemail or caller ID got two of the girls pissed off at me, which is how I know I didn't have it at that time. <laughs> so they were real fucking mad at me. It was a whole thing. So in 2002, I didn't have caller ID or voicemail. Right. So it's very possible. Um, so that was a very interesting thing. They talked about how basically they looked into... I don't remember if it was on Serial or in the documentary. I think it was on Serial. They looked into whether or not that call would have been like a charged call because if the call didn't get picked up, they didn't charge you for it. Oh, okay. So they looked into all of that and basically they figured out that it was based on how long the call was, whether or not they would charge you for it. And a two minute call, they would definitely charge you for. So if it was a butt dial on a phone, which is not unlikely. I, my fucking butt dial my phone all the fucking time mm-hmm. now even. My mom butt dials me all the time. All the time. And um, so it's not unlikely that it was a butt dial. And if it was a butt dial and it just rang and rang and rang for that whole time and you're talking about a home phone. So if no one picks that up, it's just going to keep ringing. It's right. not going to disconnect. If it rang for that long, it would be charged. Even though it was no one ever even picked okay. it up. Okay, so it's not proof of anything. Because of how long it was, it would be seen as a you know a call. an extraneous call, so they would go ahead and charge you for it. So it is possible that it was a butt dial and that no one ever picked up the phone. So, and if that's the case, if it's a butt dial, where's your proof that it nines with Jay? Yeah. Because John, Jay, Jay could be John. Jay could have butt dialed. Right, Absolutely. That. Now, the last thing I wanted to discuss was the two suspects that were mentioned in the motion to vacate. I'm going to pause this for a second so I can tell Holly some shit that I can't say on the episode, and then we'll come back. Okay. So, hold on just a second. Is that what you have on your phone? Huh? Is that what you have on the seat? No, that's a totally different thing on my phone. Okay. Okay. So, sorry. We're back. Okay. So, I just kind of told Holly uh, a little bit about what we're talking about. I don't want to give the names of these suspects because, one, I don't really know for sure uh, that the people who are listed like online, people have, you know, looked into it and stuff. Um, I don't, we don't know for sure that these are the right people. So I don't want to be putting their names on here and putting further suspicion on them uh, if they're not correct. However, if you're interested enough to go into it, it's really fucking easy to find. You can go find it and, okay. and look at it. Um, but I wanted Holly to know as we're talking so that we're not speculating about all those things. Right, and spewing out names everywhere. Exactly, exactly. So... Um, now these are mentioned in the motion to vacate, uh, and that's the motion to vacate Anand's um, um, conviction. Yes. Okay. Now there is some incorrect information out there, so I wanted to pull the info directly from the motion. That's what I pulled up. That's what I read. And here's what it says. It says, "Quote: A person provided information to the state that one of the suspects had a motive to kill the victim, and that suspect had threatened to kill the victim in the presence of another individual." The suspect said that, quote, he would make her, and then in parentheses says Ms. Lee, disappear. He would kill her. End quote. Uh. Oh, I lied. There's more quote. That's the end of that quote. The state also located a separate document in the state's trial file in which a different person relayed information that can be viewed as a motive for that same suspect to harm the victim. Oh. That's what it said in the motion. Okay. And do we know who that person is? So that's, of the two people I just told you about, it's the second one. I know. Do we know who the person is that came forward and no. said something? Okay. No, no, okay. No. Okay. The motion also states that the spot where Hayes' car was found was a location known to one of the suspects. The first person I told you about. Okay. And that a person related to the suspect's family owned a house in front of this grassy lot and lived there in 1999. 
So this is that's tied to the other person. It is also noted that, quote, the defense located formally documented evidence unavailable at the time of the trial that one of the suspects had, without provocation or excuse, attacked a woman unknown to him while she was in her vehicle. Ooh. The suspect was convicted of this offense. Oh, is that number one or number two? Number one. Okay. Ooh, well, you're not... <laughs> number one is not the one that I'm, oh. that I'm leaning towards. Number two is the one I'm leaning towards. Number That's two what I'm is, saying. The yeah, number yeah. one, this is not going in the direction of... Oh, no, oh, no, because I'm not done. So here's another tidbit. Quote, the state and defense have obtained credible information that one of the suspects had engaged in multiple instances of rape and sexual assault of compromised or vulnerable victims in a systematic, deliberate, and premeditated way. The suspect was convicted of this offense. Okay, that's, we kind of just But she was not sexually assaulted. She was not sexually assaulted, but that's there. Okay. It's in the the thing. So I just wanted to, I just kind of wanted to put out Is that number one? That was number two. Okay. That we talked. I just kind of told you the situation that they think is behind that. Okay. And another quote: "The defense located formally documented evidence of allegations that one of the suspects was had engaged in aggressive and/or violent acts toward a woman known to him and forcibly confined her. It was also alleged that this suspect made threats against the life of this person." Oh. Okay. How was he even not in? <laughs> In prison. I, dude, I don't even know, man. This whole thing. Oh, no. He, he, is this now? suspect is in prison. Okay. Because of the uh, rape and sexual assault stuff from the Okay. I before. Got it. So, one last thing about one of the suspects. The police, in, a quote, the police initially developed one of the suspects and administered a standard polygraph test. Oh. Uh. The results were that deception was indicated regarding his involvement at the time. The suspect claimed he was distracted, so the police allowed him to come back another day and take a second test. It goes on to say that the suspect was, quote, improperly cleared after the second test and goes into detail on the type of test administered that second time and why it isn't a valid test to clear the suspect. I understand that that points to somebody we've talked about, but I'm still not putting names and stuff. I'm just I'm just not. So we, we don't know for sure that's who it is. Maybe it's somebody else who fits that. The police have not said because they're still looking at things. Um, so those are those two situations. Now, I don't, that second person, no, excuse me, the first person, the person who um, attacked the person in the car, failed the lie detector test, um, those things is less compelling to me. The person that I'm like, but what about that person uh-huh. is the person who is th- has a, re- a motive to threaten her and has threatened her life. Yeah. How How is there not a huge profile for that person? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what I, are I, the think, odds? I know you look at the boyfriend. I know you look at the ex-boyfriend. I know all those things. I get all of that. How is the entire focus not on the person who said, I'm going to fucking kill her? Yep. How? I don't understand how. And I don't understand how people can go, well, obviously it was a non. Are you fucking serious? There's literally a person who said, I'm going to kill her. Right. I will make you fucking dead. And it wasn't a non. And they're like, eh. And they're like, mm. eh. Details. I just, so for me, that person is the, that, okay. I don't, I don't know why. Obviously, we don't know what the motive was. There is a motive. I have some thoughts. Yeah. Some guesses. I was going to say, so that's not, but they're saying they have found some in, information or yes. whatever of motive. So they know. Yeah, so we, they know. We just we don't, don't know. know. Okay. I, like I say, I have some guesses, but they're okay. just wild speculation. Mm-hmm. They're not, and we're not putting out who that person is. So. Right. 
you know, I'm not going to put that out here. I'll definitely speculate with you when we stop recording. <laughs> but, but so I, I just, ooh, I think, okay, that's, mm, okay, that's compelling. That's what I think is compelling. So, yeah. So what do you, what do you, how are you thinking? What do you, what do you, what do you, how are you feeling? I, I still don't know. Still don't know? I still don't know. I guess and we need, I need more information about this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this other suspect. And I know they're absolutely. keeping it all hush-hush for good reason. But Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully soon we'll have an answer. Hopefully soon they're going to figure out exactly who did this, regardless of who it is. I think, I mean, he needs a new trial. Absolutely. At least amount. Like, bare minimum. He, you, bare minimum. You haven't proven in any way that he's guilty. He can't no. be in prison. This is and fucking I nuts. I don't even think they should have a new trial. You have no proof. Yeah. against this person i think you need to go back to square one yep you need to do an actual fucking investigation and figure out who did this yeah and now you're gonna have your hands full because you fucking took so long yep it's gonna yeah. be a hell of a lot harder now but you need to do it and you need to do it not just because you bungled this case so fucking badly right but also because y- you need to um What's the word I'm looking for? You need to show that you can do this. You need to do what you didn't do before. Yeah, you, oh, you need to absolutely. You need to um, show that police officers can can do it the right way. Yep, you're gonna let the evidence lead you to your solution. Absolutely. Um, you know that where I can, I like to talk about who the victim was to close things out. And I found an article on Refinery29 that had compiled a lot of the statements about Hay. Um, Hay was very fashionable. Multiple people commented on how she was always dressed nice. She played field hockey and lacrosse and managed the boys' wrestling team. She was a Dallas Cowboys fan, but because of the blue and silver, not because of the sport. Oh. Uh, Krista said, quote, she was just so light and bubbly, and it was really hard to be in a bad mood around her. But if I had one word, if I had to break it down into one word, I'd say goofy is the best one. Oh, I like that. Her French teacher said, quote, she was one of those rare people you meet in life who is always happy, always joyful, and full of love. Athletic director Ralph Graham said, quote, there are no words to describe her smile. Assistant lacrosse coach Susie Twiggs said, quote, she grew into a leader. She was a dedicated player, and she was mad if you weren't too. Hayes' family said, quote, she stood up for what was right, regardless of popular opinion. Ugh. And uh, regardless of how people feel about it, I'm going to end it with what Adnan said about her. Absolutely. In a letter written to Sarah Koenig from Serial and published in Rabia Chowdhury's book, Adnan's story, The Search for Truth and Justice After Serial, Adnan says about Hay, quote, Hay was one of the kindest, sweetest, just all around most beautiful people I've ever known. She treated me with all the love and respect in the world. I loved her when we dated for several months, and I loved her as a friend after that. That is the story of the murder of Hay Min Lee. Uh, if we missed anything you think we should have discussed, please send us a message. Uh, this was a lot. So yeah, there's a lot out there. Definitely possible I missed some stuff. Um, or send us an email and just let us know and we can always do an update. Oh, 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 oh update, update, update. Um, sorry, guys, I'm reading this from CNN because, as I say, I forgot to check it before I left the house. Uh, Maryland's Supreme Court on Thursday blocked the reinstatement of Adnan Syed's murder conviction while it decides whether to hear his appeal in the long-running Twisted Tale. So they overturned it and then reinstated it. And now it's the reinstatement has been blocked. Oh, 
So on Wednesday, Syed asked the state's highest court to review that decision to uh, reinstate his conviction. He sought an evaluation of several factors in the case, including Young Lee's allegations about receiving enough notice. Syed's, quote, innocence is not at issue, but his rights as a defendant and freedom as an exoneree are directly impacted by the appellate court of Maryland's decision, what his attorney, Erica Suter, said in a statement. So Thursday's order says the reinstatement while Syed's petition is pending and throughout any potential appeals process, oh, stays the reinstatement if the court decides to hear his case. Lee's brother and the attorney general's office agreed to this stay. Justice Shirley Watts wrote in the order. Syed is grateful. This is a quote. Syed is grateful that the victim's representative and attorney general have consented to the stay. The Maryland office of the public defender said in a statement Wednesday, quote, reincarcerating Adnan would be devastating for him and his family and would be an affront to justice. David Sanford, an attorney for the Lee family, said in an emailed statement Friday, the Supreme Court did the, quote, right thing, adding, quote, the ultimate issues in this case are yet to be decided. Which I I know that was really, really hard, but I'm really proud of them for saying this. I read that directly from CNN. That was an article by Jay Croft and Nikki Brown. Um, So as of right now, Adnan gets to stay out of prison while they figure out what the fuck they're going to do with this fucked up case. If you're innocent, yes. Yes, right. So, um, yeah, that's big. I keep checking it like every couple of days. So yeah. that's who we'll bring you an update, you yes, know, absolutely. as soon as we get it. But absolutely. we hope justice has been served, at least for Adnan at this yeah. point. Absolutely. And, and now it's time to give justice to Heyman Lee. Absolutely. And hopefully that's done soon. And, and, you know, we send all of our love to the Lee family and to the Syed family as well. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Let's lighten it up with a joke. All right. Jokes with Holly. I don't know the rights to these jokes. This one's kind of funny. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's it's not really a joke you're going to answer, though. Okay, so. I don't ever answer them. I just say, okay, what? I bet you can't tell. So I guess this is maybe, this is a husband to his wife. I bet you can't tell me something that will make me both happy and sad at the same time. A husband says to his wife what i just said <laughs> she thinks for a moment and then responds your penis is bigger than your brother's you'd <laughs> 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 be like yeah what wait what um, what'd you fucking say excuse me <laughs> and then we're gonna talk about that case on our podcast next week yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so I give you guys the um, um, social, socials every fucking week, and you guys know them by heart by now. So today, I'm only going to ask, I meant to ask at the beginning of the episode, definitely forgot because brains, but uh, please, 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 right now, before you turn off your podcast player, go in and give us a rating and a review if you're on a player that has reviews. Most of you are listening on Apple Podcasts. The rest of you are mostly on Spotify. Spotify, you can give us a star rating. Uh-huh. So if you love our podcast, give us a star rating. If you don't, then fucking go do something else. And on Apple, give us a review. We still only have two reviews that we've had literally since we started. We have more friends than that. Yeah, and also, those two people are like Christina's family and then one of Christina's friends who we haven't gotten to meet yet. All the rest of you bitches, get on there. Give us a fucking Come review. On. Uh, we, we looked up the other day, or I was listening to uh, My Favorite Murder the other day, and they were talking about how those ratings and reviews, not only do they push us in front of other people, the more ratings and stuff we have, <laughs> not if they're no stars, so if you don't like us, don't rate it, but... Um, 
They also are what sponsors look at. Yeah. And if if we get sponsors, then I can feed my children. So <laughs> I'm not above telling you to go fucking braid us so we can I can feed my kids, right? <laughs> They like expensive things. The middle one fucking only eats pizza and chicken nuggets. Those are not cheap. Let's go. They sound like it, but they're not. Uh, and just fucking strawberries. Jesus Christ. Oh, my All God. All they eat is strawberries. Pounds at a time. Mm-hmm. All my children ate uh, four pounds of bacon in like fucking two days. Oh, my God. I got three fucking kids, man. They're not even that old yet. So go bacon. give us a rating so I can buy more bacon. <laughs> Y'all. That's, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. We fucking love all of you. Sweet dreams, spookies.